right, guys, welcome back to episode 31 of the Three Bagger Podcast. So we are back in business after our um, episode that you listened to a few days ago. This episode, we're going to kind of talk more about some off-field stuff that's going to happen and change um, this off-season for next year. And we're also going to kind of give you guys a nice update on the World Baseball Classic, as we've been doing um, for the past couple episodes here. So we're also going to get into one more on the field uh, thing from last season that we kind of forgot to add as we were recording the last episode. Uh, and that's going to be the AL and NL awards for like Cy Young MVP and rookie of the year. So Nick and I did have some predictions that we had queued up prior to the season starting. So we're just going to kind of go through and analyze those a little bit quick. And it, it was ugly. It was ugly. Nick, we, we did not do very well. No, no, there, there were a lot of surprises this year. Uh, so I don't think I got any right, but hey, man, you you got you you got a couple of weeks right there. So uh, props to you on getting those right. Yeah, I, I got two of them correct, and and that's that's not great out of six. But yeah, we we definitely struggled a bit. Hopefully, we'll we'll shoot to be better this uh, next upcoming season. So AL MVP, our guesses. Uh, Nick, you had Vlad Guerrero Jr. So. Vlad, I mean, obviously had a pretty decent season, but it definitely wasn't MVP caliber. Um, and my prediction was Aaron Judge, and that was one of the uh, two that I did hit on. Aaron Judge overwhelmingly won the MVP. You probably could argue that Otani deserved it as well. But, I mean, when you break the AL home run record and drive in 130 runs while hitting over 300 and, you know, stealing like 10 bases, that, that's that's tough to argue with. The only argument you can make is, you know, I was one of the best pitchers and hitters in the league. So I know a lot of people are kind of upset about that as well, that, you know, Tani did lose and, you know, people are calling bias and everything, but I think judge did deserve it. And not that Otani didn't. So let's go to the AL Cy Young. Uh, Justin Verlander ended up winning this award and both you and I did miss on this. Uh, you had Shane Bieber, which was a pretty good guess. And he did have a very good year. I think he, he got some votes, didn't he? He did get some votes. Uh, uh, Ver- Verlander, uh, I believe, believe won it anonymously. I believe uh, you're correct. I'm yeah. not entirely sure. I'm sure you're. You can yeah. look it up quick. <laughs> yeah, but look at here. Yeah, uh, Verlander received anonymously. Uh, Bieber did have a great year, and obviously, if Verlander didn't have the year he did, Bieber could have really challenged for that spot. It's kind of interesting. Still, at his age, Verlander was able to dominate, but still happy Bieber had a good year. And didn't get hurt. Yeah, definitely. And uh, my guess was Garrett Cole. He was not in the running, but he was probably next up. He had a very up and down year. It wasn't the best. He definitely got rocked by some teams and he definitely had some really, really good sparkling outings. I mean, he broke the Yankee season single season record for strikeouts. So while he wasn't a Cy Young caliber pitcher, he was still a very, very solid um, ace in the rotation. And he had good run of postseason starts as well. Yeah, he definitely had a couple of sticky situations throughout the year, but yes. overall, overall good performance by him. Definitely. That would have been pretty wild because I think what was the stat you said before the season? No, no pitcher and hitter have won Cy Young and MVP in like some crazy amount of years. And like, yeah. I, I mean, that wasn't too far off. I mean, no, it was close. It, it was pretty close there. So that would have been crazy if I hit on that. Uh, and then AL Rookie of the Year was Julio Rodriguez. It was tough because. Rodriguez had a really good season. And then you look at Jeremy Pena, but I mean, Pena did a lot of his damage in the postseason as well. So obviously that doesn't count towards rookie of the year running, but if Pena just had a slightly 
better regular season because he had a really good regular season still. But if he was just slightly better, he he could have edged out uh, Rodriguez. So your guess was Bobby Witt Jr., which is not a bad guess at all either. But he he didn't end up you know being as good as some of these guys like Pena and Rodriguez. And this was the second one that I also hit on. I did guess Julio Rodriguez uh, to beat the AL Rookie of the Year this year. So we're going to move on to the NL now. Both you and I, Nick, went 0 for 3 in this one. So yeah. the NL definitely gave us fits for the awards. NL MVP. The winner was Paul Goldschmidt. We Nobody really expected that, so we were pretty far off. You had Juan yeah. Soto, who actually had a down year. I mean, he yeah. we went through all the trading to the Padres, and you guys know all that. Um, and he still, you know, didn't perform the best and definitely wasn't an MVP. And I had Mookie Betts, which was looking good early, but then he kind of ran into some injury trouble and he missed too many games to really, you know, recover into that MVP race. And Paul Goldschmidt was just very good all year. So we both missed on those. Uh, we're going to go to the NL Cy Young. Uh, you had Corbin Burns, which is a very good guess. And I definitely could have seen him winning it as well. Uh, but the real winner was Sandy Alcantara, who just had an unreal year. I think his ERA was under two. That's just incredible. I mean, it stinks that he's on the Marlins and that it's not really meaning anything. But the guy was incredible. And then my guess was Walker Bueller, who unfortunately, did he tear an Achilles or or was it like a AC, ACL or a UCL? I don't remember what his injury was, but he had a major injury and he was down and out pretty early for them. So that's that was a fail for me as well. Um, and then finally, we'll do the NL Rookie of the Year. Who won NL Rookie of the Year? Uh, that was Michael Harris. Uh, ended up winning. Harris, it was Harris. Harris. I thought it was Strider. Harris won over Strider in the. Harris uh, did win over Strider. Yeah, uh, Harris pretty good year. Uh, Nineteen home runs, 20, 20 stolen bases. So good, good year for him. Uh, interesting. Really wasn't a guy you were thinking who's going to take who's going to kind of take that next step for the Braves. No. So like I honestly like Bradar. Like I. You told me Michael Harris could win repeat here. I'm like, cool. Who's that? So but, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who's that? I mean, at the beginning of the season, I've been like, I don't know who you're talking about, but okay. And, and then obviously his fellow running mate, Spencer Schreier was very close as well. He was another surprise for the Braves that just kind of came out of nowhere. Like nobody really knew who these guys were. And like you said, Harris did well enough to win uh, rookie of the year with those, you know, homers in the speed combo. Um, our guess is here. Uh, you took Seiya Suzuki, which wasn't a bad one. And he actually started the year really hot too, but ultimately he didn't end up um, even qualifying for that race. And then I had Hunter green who also had a very up and down year and was not worthy um, of winning these awards. So that's going to be it for, our kind of competitions that Nick and I have against each other. Fair to say for the 2022 competitions of predictions, I probably won them. We will kind of do this again next year. I think this is a, a fun thing. We can kind of keep going every year and maybe we can kind of keep score of, of who wins each year. Keep, keep a running list of, you know, the overall category, you know, wins between us. I think that'd be cool. Yep. So let's kind of get into the off the field episode here. Uh, Nick, you put a lot of this together, so I'm going to have you explain a lot of it. I will interject, you know, when, when I have some thoughts and when I can. We're going to start it out and kind of go to the MLB lottery. This is a first year thing. The MLB just came out with this instead of, you know, doing reverse standings order based on the worst teams in the league. We are going to do a lottery now like the MLB. So, Nick, I'll kind of give it to you to explain it and kind of give the results. This actually happened yesterday, I believe, correct? 
yeah, it happened yesterday at the winter meetings. I think it's the odds, like the, the top three, top three teams had the same odds was, was the uh, Washington, the Nationals, uh, the Pirates and the A's all had the same odds, but Pirates ended up getting the first pick here, then the, then the Nationals, then Detroit kind of ran out your top three. Texas went up a couple spots. The kind of biggest two movers here was definitely uh, the Twins. They were a team that was actually outside the top 10, and they moved up to five. So that's interesting. I wonder if they're going to change the way the lotto for a team that kind of outside and move up that much spots. And then the A's moved down from a top three spot all the way down to six. So That's crazy. The A's jumped to six. The A's were one of the worst teams with the lowest payrolls, and they got six in the Twins who were like a middle-of-the-road mediocre team challenging for the division almost. Yeah. <laughs> it got up to five. That's kind of nuts. Yeah, it, it just kind of shows you the age organization when they can't even be good at being bad. Yeah. Like it, It's sad. Things just aren't going to go their way at this point. They actually did sign somebody today. I think it's signed Diaz, a former, uh, former Astro. So they actually did sign somebody who actually shocked me. Actually paid him seven million dollars. It even shocked me even more. They're gonna they're gonna spend that type of money. But they're gonna it, trade him. Don't worry, they'll trade yeah, him at the deadline. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, buddy, they're they're getting the package deal for him and Sean Murphy together. Who wants them? You know. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, but it, it, it just shows me like, wow, this this team can't even they can't they can't even tank right. But it, it's someday. someday, someday when they move to Vegas. Yeah, we'll see about that. So someday when they join the Raiders. All right, so that kind of. The lottery is pretty self-explanatory and, you know, we kind of gave you the ins and outs. So the pirates will have the first pick this year. So we're going to kind of update you with uh, some new rule changes that are coming. I know we have definitely touched on this stuff briefly in our, some of our past podcasts, but we're going to kind of bring it to the front forefront here and uh, give you what's going on next year. So Nick, I will let you take that away. Thanks, Evan. So we talked about this. We kind of debated about these rules as these rules were proposed. Uh, these are these are now the rules that are actually officially going through. The first one up here is the pitch timer. They will have a pitch timer for next year. Basically, they want they want pitchers to throw at a certain speed, kind of speed up the game. So that one's pretty self-explanatory. Kind of the biggest one that it is going to happen is the sh- is banning of the shift. So basically, now we saw it down when we watched the tripods together, Evan. Basically, what they're going to do is you have to have two infielders on each side of the. In- in, in field they both kind of have to be on the field dirt and it's basically gonna help some hitters out uh some of these stats i got here uh from the athletic is guys like carlos Santana, who is basically shifted 98 percent of the time which is crazy if you think about it uh nico goodrow was 97 Adam Sickerson was 97 and some of these big hitters they're 90 80 percent of the time you're gonna shift them and we won't see that next year so and guys who it definitely choose like these guys do struggle against the shift because they aren't going to adjust. It's kind of they're going to hit how they want to hit. The guys like Corey Seager, who batted 051 yeah, with ground balls into shifts. Odor, who's not a great hitter anyway, batted 27. Rizzo struggled 0.066 with, uh, with ground balls hitting into the shift. So a lot of guys, average should improve next year, which would kind of be my guess, especially some of the guys who were traditionally kind of these true outcome hitters either in a home run they strike out or they walk see a lot more singles up the middle just saying you you can't play where guys were hitting the ball which is kind of right in between for a lot for our lefties it's right in between kind of second and first base and we're seeing now that was like mini shifts maybe you move the second baseman a little bit or you move the you move the shortstop kind of like to the right where the line is so yeah uh, th- th- this will have a big impact next year i do believe evan definitely and just to clarify so the no shift thing, like you said, we saw it at the Tarpons game uh, when you came to visit a couple months ago in August. 
they're going to have some sort of painted line and it's going to be like right in front of second base, I believe. I think it was yeah. in front, right? Yeah. And you have to have a certain amount of like two infielders on the right side and two infielders on the left side. So, and if anybody is, you know, like in that box or across that box, there's some sort of penalty. I believe it's it's a base. I believe the batter and any runner on base do get a base. We're going to have to clarify that because I don't necessarily know. But there will be some sort of penalty like that to, like you said, prevent the shift, which in turn is going to raise batting averages. I mean, there's a lot of guys like you went down that list, Seager, Odor, Rizzo, who hit ground balls into those spots, and now there's not going to be anybody there to field them, and those are going to turn into hits. So it's definitely going to improve a lot of these players. Like Carlos Santana was already a pretty decent player last year. He's going to be even better this year, just hitting some balls into those gaps where there now will not be people. Yeah. Could could our guy Joey Gallo have a resurgence here, Evan? As, maybe. As, yeah. Maybe. He might. I mean, I, somebody's going to have to take a chance on him and, you know, give him some sort of contract. But, oh, you know who we forgot to talk about in the last episode, too, is Cody Bellinger. Cody oh, yeah. Bellinger got a contract for yeah. like $17 million. Oh, yeah. Nice little one-year prove with you. Good for him. I, he's had some struggles after winning the MVP. He's yeah. definitely been down, but. You never know. 17 yeah, I mean, no. with the shift band, you never know. You never know. He's still got speed. One year contract. Power in there. One year contract could come back. Could command a multi year deal. Still a little young. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, the Cubs don't have a terrible lineup. He's got a little bit of protection. So we'll see yeah. how he does. Yeah. All right. And then I believe there's one more rule that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, just kind of real quick bigger bases. Uh, this, this is for uh, player safety. So all in favor of that. Uh, next rule, which could kind of have a giant impact on the game, is uh, basically it's, it's happening down the minors. Pitchers are now going to be limited to how many times they can step off and throw over. Uh, they're going to have two times. If you do it a third time, it will be penalized. Basically, they'll be called a box. So that means basically awarded a base. That's essentially what it means. Look what happened in the minors last year. Um, another stat from the athletic. Miley base still in attempts per game is at 2.83, whereas Major League was 1.36. So this will have a, uh, a pretty big impact, especially guys for still bases. It's actually a pretty good impact for fantasy next year, Evan. Uh, stolen bases will be expected to be up, especially guys – we're kind of like in the 20 to 30 stolen base range. They could jump up to 30. Could we see a 40, 50 stolen base guy? I don't think we'll get to like Ricky Henderson levels next year, but <laughs> stolen bases will be up next year. And it's not something that's definitely gone away from the game over the past decade. Yeah, definitely. And just to clarify, so we're expecting stolen bases attempts to increase because of the step-off rule. So yeah. if you step off two times, you're done. And then that base runner, if you don't strategize well enough, can just take off and you cannot throw over to first to pick him off. And those numbers that we gave you, they did this experiment with minor league baseball last year and they had this rule in place and it did see an increase in stolen bases and stolen base attempts. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. So a uh, one rule, what was talked about was the using the, uh, like the rubble ups that will not take effect. It still needs more testing. There were still some inaccuracies when they were doing it. So that rule will still kind of be put off the back burner for a little bit, but those were kind of the main rules that will be happening next year. So overall expect to see kind of more, kind of more free flowing game next year, more hits, more runners, more, more things happening in action would be my prediction for next year. I think it will take some adjustment during spring trading kind of guys forgetting, Oh wait, I have to pitch the ball or, Oh wait, I can't step off again. So it will take an adjustment period. We'll see if the adjustment period goes into early April and even in the May. But these these are some things happening in the baseball and it's going to try to create more action, which something baseball could need. 
All right, we're going to go into a little bit of Hall of Fame balloting for you. What's an off-season without some um, Hall of Fame talk? So, Nick, I'll give you that segment as well. Yeah, appreciate it, Evan. Uh, the normal Hall of Fame ballot will be released a little bit later. You know, your traditional, you vote for 10 guys, the percent, 75% half is over. Uh, what MLB created pretty recently was kind of like the Hall of Fame committee. So basically what they do is they take like a chunk of time, whether it's like baseball in the 30s, like baseball in the 50s, baseball in the 60s, and kind of rotate and they pick one player out of all those uh, kind of ranges. And, they, and, they, and it's like, okay, this here's a guy like, because you think about it before, like, when baseball when players are being elected kind of like 20 years ago, players, we weren't looking at war. We weren't looking at like trying to advance metrics, but some players we were only looking at home runs and RBIs. So some players did get left behind. That's kind of the job as the committee to kind of get these kind of players who were kind of, kind of forgotten and realize, Oh wait, this guy does have hall of fame quality kind of looking back now his career kind of uh, further out. So one of those guys who did get elected was uh Fred McGriff, who, nice, who did have a pretty uh, decent career, uh, five all-star branches, three silver sluggers, one MVP, did have the one World Series ring, and he is uh, originally from Tampa, so some from Tampa getting in, uh, mostly represent. known. Represent. There we go. Mostly known for uh, being Atlanta and being with Toronto. Notable about this, though, is because uh, guys in the same era, both Clemens and Bond, were eligible to get in, but they got less than – I believe they got less than like 4% of the votes or less than four votes. Uh, John Manley got a couple of votes. Kurt Schling got a couple of votes. But because of this, I think Clemens and Bond are going to be about one more time, but they're still pretty well off. I think they were like the 50 to 60%. So it's going to be hard to see the getting up this 75% and they won't kind of be considered again until 2025. So it could be a while before we see guys like Clemens and Bond make the Hall of Fame here, Evan. Yeah, that's... I don't think that's really going to change. I think the baseball world is pretty set, you know, on kind of keeping them out of there because of how tainted their legacies are. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, still great players, but yeah, definitely tainted. <laughs> yeah. With, with the steroid errors. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to take at least another generation. I think like I said, they may not even get in. I think they will get in eventually because I think it's kind of, the guys you're voting now are kind of like the older generation of baseball who are kind mm. of like, yeah, we're very like straight, like you're not going in. So I think it could happen, but like I said, it, it may not happen for like a decade for them not getting in. That's because after this year, they can only be elected by this committee and this committee votes on this era, like every three years. So it could be, it's going to be another couple of cycles before they even get close. Like I said, you, they needed, I believe it was like six, they need like 16 votes and they got four of the committee. So if you think about yeah. that, you, you, you're going to need new committee members. You get at this point, everyone's pretty much made up their mind, whether you think bonds and Clemens should be in the hall of fame or not. Yeah, exactly. All right. And we're going to move on to another smaller segment here and kind of talk about some new stadium rumors that we've been hearing. I'll kind of start here with the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm very just confused about all of this because they want to stay in St. Petersburg. I don't know if all of our listeners know, but the Tampa Bay Rays do play in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is a solid 30 to 35 minutes from the downtown Tampa area. And this has been a big debate over, you know, the last few years when their stadium situation has kind of come into play here and they want to build a brand new expensive stadium in St. Petersburg. They're the Tampa Bay Rays, not the St. Petersburg Rays. And for the longest time, people have had gripes about driving to St. Pete for the games. And if you, you know, 
brought it back to Tampa, brought it back to Ybor City, there would you know be a larger fan base if you look at some more of their teams like the Buccaneers and the Lightning, who actually have a decent size fan base because they are in Tampa. So I don't. This is kind of a head scratcher to me. The stadium looks beautiful. It, it it looks beautiful, except for the fact that they want to make the ceiling glass, which <laughs> in Tampa, Florida, where it's constantly a hundred degrees over the summer, it's a bull strategy, God. Yeah, yeah, like you're you're gonna you're gonna fry some people in that stadium. You're literally putting them under a magnifying glass. So I don't know if they have some sort of special glass that they're gonna use that doesn't heat. I don't I, I don't know how that's gonna go. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of reading more about the project. is is more than just a stadium. It's over a billion dollar project. They want to do a bunch of new hotels, a bunch of new houses, some senior area, which is of course Florida. And <laughs> so it's just looking. It seems like kind of reading everything is more about the stuff around the stadium than the actual stadium. They just kind of want to build a new entertainment district. Like, oh, and there happens to be a stadium there. When it's going to be there, it's going to be shiny. You'll probably get fans for the next two, one or two years. But the fact is, I remember when I lived in Florida. When I, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Raising and I'll see some baseball. I'm a big baseball fan. When I did not have a car my first three years in college, it is impossible to get to that stadium when you live in Tampa. Majority of people in that region are live in the Hillsborough County area. When you were in Pinellas County, which is majority older crowd, it's not the best area. We've seen it for the past 20 years when the raise attendance numbers continue to go down, down, down. That is clearly a location issue that if you're in a different location, if you move closer to where people are in the Tampa area, you know, obviously there's less land available in Tampa. You may have to do the whole stadium district, but if you build a stadium closer to people, you will get more people to go to the game. So it just baffles me that they're so set on St. Pete and not trying to look at more options after the Ybor City plan failed back a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's it's really curious why they, I mean, I know they've considered it, but I mean, I mean, you got to make it work at this point. You got to make something in Tampa work because like you spent said, spending all this money on a new district and everything isn't really going to bring fans there. The same people are going to be there. You're probably going to lose a lot of money. And, or like you said, it'll be a big jolt to people for a year or two and then it'll get old and they'll realize, Oh, I'm still driving 35 minutes to go see a baseball game. And it's not like there's any public transit or anything that you can do. You can't walk to the stadium and Uber is going to, you know, put you out a good amount of money. So it, it'll be curious to see if they kind of wise up to that fact and try and start pushing for more land in the Tampa area. Uh, and then, Nick, I'll give it to you to kind of talk about the other stadium project that is going on here in the majors. Yeah, the, the Royals uh, pretty quietly about, I'd say almost a month ago now, they said they're trying to build a new stadium in a, in downtown uh, in downtown Kansas City. The, uh, the Rays sneakily do play in probably one of the older stadiums. I believe only the... Uh, Obviously, you know, you got the old stadiums like like Fenway and Wrigley. Like, those aren't going anywhere. They made the upgrades necessary to keep those kind of beautiful ballparks going. But kind of think of, like, ballparks built in the 60s and 70s. You have Geyser Stadium. That one seems pretty solid. They've done some nice upgrades over the last couple of years to keep that modern. A Stadium's a whole thing I could spend an hour on, which I'm not going to do here. <laughs> so, after that, after you go down the line of stadiums, the Royals are next in line. Uh, stadium was built in 1973, so kind of getting to the – at this point, stadiums do about have about a 50-year lifespan, maybe even less. If you're the Braves, you build the stadium every 20 years, which is kind of <laughs> ridiculous, but that's, that's another thing, too. But they have gotten to that point where the stadium did kind of hit their 50-year lifespan, and they're going to try to move a little close to downtown. The current stadium is kind of the same complex, too, as where the uh, the Chiefs play, so kind of like there's not much around it. They I think they're going to try to build some stuff around this new stadium, too. Uh, there wasn't anything about a date or when they're trying to build it, but 
it said something it could be like doesn't say anything that just says about uh, stuff they want to do there kind of like it could be a big impact downtown uh if i had to guess kind of uh my odds are and what things will happen i think the world probably has the best one just based on kind of local government and kind of system like that and kind of where they're kind of starting their journey there isn't a pressure like nobody's pushing the oh oh the royals are going to move and unless they get into the stadium so it's kind of relaxed there hasn't been this, like decade-long battle like you've seen with the rays like you've seen with the a's but so there's really kind of low pressure on them kind of you know, after the stadium so i expect theirs to happen rays it's still uh, their project is slated they want to build theirs in 2028 so they're still got a couple of years before they have to like probably until like the next like by 2024 they can decide if they really want to do this or not i think they're at least until uh the trap goes to 2027 so they still have a bit of time i know the a's are kind of really on like this year is kind of like this or say i know man friends expressed before before lb wants to expand but you can't expand until you get all your teams and old stadiums in the new stadiums because then you can't like threaten relocation to get tax dollar money so we are kind of getting in the crunch time for some of these new friends, some of these new stadiums to build in. Hopefully they do. It'd be really cool to go to these new stadiums here coming up here in the new decade. Uh get, get baseball going again in these towns. But that's kind of the update we got going on for kind of new stadium projects uh, coming up here. Yeah, Kansas City has a good fan base and they'll uh they'll definitely use their facilities and, and we'll definitely pack fans in uh, yeah. when they are good. They definitely have a nice and solid fan base. And Nick, I look forward to going to some of these new stadiums with you uh, here in the next, you know, 10, 20 years should, yeah. should be some, some fun three bagger at the ballpark trips. Yep. You, you, you can only help these, uh, these concepts, especially like if the Rays are like on rebrand number three and the A's like rebrand number 10 and 12 by now. So, Hey, they're going to Vegas. They're going to Vegas, baby. We, yeah. We'll push for it. A's to Vegas. Join join the Knights. Join the Raiders. Yeah. All your friends are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to you got to follow suit. Yeah. All right. So we're going to kind of go into our last uh, segment here of the show. We're going to talk about the World Baseball Classic a bit. Nick, I'm going to let you really take the lead on this. It uh, looks like we've got some uh, seedings that have been confirmed. This tournament's actually going to happen in March as well. So all teams are qualified up matchups and pools like the world cup are you know solid and team rosters are looking like they're getting finalized so without further ado nick i will uh give it to you for some of these highlights here yeah thanks i've been just watching the world cup after these past couple months has really got me hyped for the world baseball classic coming up here in march knowing kind of as as, as the world cup wraps up here the next couple of weeks really a few short months away from more international competition here with the uh the baseball like i said it's been since 2017 since the world the last world baseball Classic happened when I, I know I went to a couple games in Miami that year, seeing the U.S. play the Dominican. That goes, that game was electric, and we're gonna have some really exciting games coming up here in March. So I'll kind of just kind of break down kind of from the last time we talked a couple months ago. Some teams have some new teams have qualified, and also a lot of first time qualifiers. We have uh, three new teams kind of joined the World Baseball Classic for the first time. Uh, Czech Republic, Great Britain, and Nicaragua are all gonna join this time. They all won their qualifiers. Panama first world baseball classic since i believe like 20 actually since like 2010 or something it's been, it's been a while since panel is back but they're finally back in the tournament uh great britain you're wondering who the hell is gonna be on that team uh, players from the bahamas do qualify so they actually will see jazz chisholm playing for great britain and uh i believe jonathan Luizaga is gonna go play for nicaragua so uh pretty good options there for uh for that team kind of uh, some main matchups you want to line up uh kind of highlight here in the pool 
since they're all set, Panama is going to join Pool A with Italy, Cuba, Netherlands in uh in Taiwan. We'll kind of as we get closer to World Baseball Classic, we'll kind of do a more in depth dive as teams start to get firm. Kind of what we what will be our picks to kind of advance through these pools and kind of win as we get closer to March when teams start to get more solidified here. Uh, Czech Republic will join uh, Pool B, which will happen in Japan. Uh, Japan is hosting that pool with Korea, Australia, and China. Uh, Great Britain uh, was slotted in the Pool C, so they'll be joining U.S., Mexico, Colombia, and Canada. In Pool D, which I'll probably, which in my opinion probably has like the, the, the toughest, like the quote unquote group of death of the World Cup. It, uh, Nicaragua joined that one with Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, and in Israel. So. Uh, it's gonna be exciting uh, coming up here in the next couple of months. Uh, just quick two notes here as we kind of before we kind of dive into kind of players who are confirmed to play in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, Kyle Kyle Schwarber announced that he will be replacing Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is gonna be rehabbing for an injury, so he won't be able to participate. He can actually could be out for a while. And then Japan recently just confirmed some pretty big news that Otani will pitch. That means he'll likely also uh, play DH for Team Japan. And New Darks will pitch too. So there's some pretty big commitments already there. And also today, Soto Suzuki also just commit for his uh, team Japan. So that's some pretty good uh, commitments already coming up here from over the state side. So do have some graphics on the, the uh, here, Evan. Just kind of looking at some of these graphics and kind of players that confirmed. Are there any like teams or certain players that can really stand out to you here? Yeah, I mean, obviously the U.S. They they have some some stars starting here. I mean, if you look at their outfield with Trout, Betts, and Kyle Tucker, that's probably going to be one of the best outfields you can really get um, in this tournament. And then right next to them as well, the Dominican Republic. I mean, that team is absolutely stacked. I mean, you have Starling Marte, a very good outfielder for the Mets. Julio Rodriguez just won Rookie of the Year. Juan Soto's a great player. And then on top of Jose Ramirez, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Jeremy Pena, Manny Machado. And then you have Rafael Devers DHing. That's that's an all-star team. That that's like an MLB all-star team. It's going to be very tough to beat them. Yeah, definitely. It just kind of way the brackets are set up. It, it just looked like we, we could see ourselves at a US Dominican final. I think kind of the way the teams are shaping up, that could be obviously, you know, Japan's always very good in this competition. Puerto Rico has a couple good players here, but just looking at what we've got so far, these are very clearly the two the two best teams coming into it and kind of do have the best odds to take it as we get kind of more players confirmed. But just looking at these rosters, even even pitching, usually the Royal Baseball Classic sometimes doesn't always get the best pitchers because pitchers don't want to commit because of because of the inning stress. But but looking at kind of the U.S. roster, we would have uh, Logan Webb, Mr. Cortez, kind of be your one-two guys who were very good last year, all-star quality guys, and the Dominican side being being Valdez and the Cy Young winner. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, like that's very, these teams are going to be very scary. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see them kind of, you know, play against other countries and well and kind of see how they fare. It's just another mix of kind of MLB teams, um, only international here. So it should be a really good tournament. I'm looking forward to kind of getting into it with you. And um, that's going to kind of be it for our episode today as well. So I'll, I'll give it to you to send us out, Nick. Yeah, but appreciate you, uh, Evan. Like I said, World Baseball Classic, more updates will come out in the next uh, when we start recording more episodes, any more player confirmations, and kind of we'll kind of do a kind of full scale breakdown of the tournament as we approach uh, the tournament coming up here in March. But I appreciate you guys listening. I know we were a couple, we've been off for a couple of months, but wanted to get you out two episodes real quick, both all the free agent stuff and then all the uh, stuff going on outside uh, in the offseason. But um, I'm sure you guys know about make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at three bagger pod and then uh, make sure you head over to Redbubble store pick up some Christmas gifts whether you need a three bagger 
logo merch or some uh, Ebor City Electric City merch. Uh, plenty of options there to get some great stocking stuffers and to get some get great gifts out there. So, and just one more thing, as always, the future ain't when it used to be. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.